0: Hello and welcome to Art Talks live on location at Art Miami. I'm Dee Dan Jiao, and on this episode, we speak to digital artist, founder of techism, and cultural leader for the World Economic Forum, Krista Kim. Krista's work explores the concept of digital consciousness. Her interest in digital technology and its revolutionary effects on human perception, media, social structures, and communication led her to work in both digital and physical realms with a keen focus on combining technology and art to use as a tool for human well being and healing. Krista, it's absolutely lovely to have you on Art Talks, how are you doing? I'm well, thank
1: you for having me. It's so nice to see you here in Miami.
0: It absolutely is. It's our first time recording this podcast on location at Art Miami uh, and many more to come for sure. Um, So look, I'd love to start off by talking about your artistic journey, what it's been like through the years and how you've arrived to where you are today.
1: Absolutely. Um, I've always wanted to be an artist as a child. But uh, my parents always thought that being a starving artist would be uh, a mistake, so they encouraged me to study for law or journalism. So, I ended up doing um, a bachelor's in political science. So you ticked that box. I did. I so did. I, did. I did the right okay. thing. You I did, did my, you know, the the you duty. You your parents happy. <laughs> But that was really good background education for me because through that study, I was really into political philosophy and understanding how society and power dynamics structure society and shapes history and shapes the world that we're living in today. And so when I when I learned about Marshall McLuhan in particular during school, I became a real disciple of his, his teachings. And, uh, you know, understanding media is one of his um, you know yeah. most popular books. And uh, in it, he says that the medium is the message. Hmm. And, you know, Love when that. I, Yes, exactly. And so when you analyze technological innovation and its disruptive effects on society, both on a personal level and then a society level, interactions, well, communication structures, economies, education, everything, it truly does affect how we live. And so I always analyze the world through technology and its effects on us and the power dynamics. And then the nature of our consciousness and how we communicate and how, how that affects who we are. So basically, you know, with that background, I became a journalist um, after school. I lived in Korea. Okay,
0: so before you became a full-time artist, correct. you were a journalist. I was okay. a
1: journalist. And I would write about the culture beat and art and for the Korea Herald newspaper while wow. living in Korea. Wow, okay. Just for context, what was the period? That was 2000 to... So 2000 early and, Correct. Correct, okay.
0: around 2000, early 2000s. And what was Korea like? At that time.
1: Oh, very good question. It was uh, because that's going to affect the journalism, right? In terms of what you
0: could say and what you couldn't.
1: Totally. Well. we'll Korea was still a very conservative and very provincial society at that time, culturally as well, and insulated. But after 2002, the World Cup really opened up the country more to internationalism, globalism. And so the government started to initiate, you know, more programs to support arts and culture, which now has developed into the K-pop phenomenon and Korean cinema. Okay, fascinating. So you had government backing. Exactly, the government backed. So I knew that, and it was just at that key moment in time that I knew that there was something changing, and that there was a real sort of like seed being planted for Korean arts and culture to to have a um, a place in the world stage. And I was there; I was part of that inception period as a journalist. So I'd write about these different movies. Like *Siri* was a really influential movie at the time. And you know, from there, from journalism, I moved to Japan in 2005 to 2008 for three and a half years. And while living in Tokyo, it was probably the most transformative period of my life, creatively, I decided to be an artist because I was so inspired by the incredible reverence for art and the capacity that the Japanese have for living with art and beauty aesthetics at the highest level, culturally. When I went to Kyoto for the first time in 2015, I had a, my artistic epiphany at the Rowenji Temple Garden. Now, this garden is a very sacred and uh, it's an iconic Japanese garden that was built over 500 years ago. And upon my first encounter, I realized that I'm experiencing an immersive artistic experience of Zen created by uh, these visionary Japanese monks and what they've created was this sacred space of Zen that creates Zen consciousness in the viewers as a public service to humanity. Wow, okay. And I thought, I was so inspired by that concept that it really just inspired me to create art and to create art that alters people's consciousness towards Zen. And I I was, of course, practicing meditation. And it wasn't until I lived in in Singapore and really decided to enroll in the Masters of Fine Art program at LaSalle College of the Arts, which is a Goldsmith College program. And I decided that I wanted to depart from painting. I was really influenced by the Japanese style painting that I learned in Japan and Zen abstract painting into digital Because light is a new ink, and then, of course, the whole Marshall McLuhan question of the medium is the message. What is the message of uh, social media? What is the message of all these devices? The Apple iPhone was ubiquitous by that point, and I thought... I'm not writing anymore. I'm not writing notes anymore. I'm always on my phone. What are the effects of this technology on me? So I decided that I had to stop painting to address these questions as an artist. And that's how I started to create digital art.
0: Amazing. And that, that is a beautiful segue into your recent works, which explore the intersection between technology as a part of art, an expression and the influence that can have on it creating well-being experiences, a so multi-sensory well-being experiences, which is something that you are at the forefront of. Can you see art being a formidable force in the development of well-being amongst individuals?
1: Yes, I think that um, the origins of art has always been to communicate a common humanity and common experiences. And especially now we need authentic art that expresses human emotion and connection.
0: How do you see it evolving?
1: Especially in the digital realm. Okay. I mean, when you when you look at digital art, we're still in the nascent stage, but I believe that art can actually scientifically alter our brain states and can be used as a healing mechanism. And uh, in public art can be used as a way to heal communities in a collective manner. Immersive experiences is the new frontier, is the new art form. Well, your
0: Mars House project
1: was definitely, you know, a cutting edge example of that. Right. The Mars House was created during the height of the COVID crisis, March of 2020. Everyone was under lockdown. And, um, you know, it was it was a really uh, difficult time for everyone. But for me, you know, I, I actually enjoyed that period because I was able to really focus on my creative I agree. Um, sort of energy. And I started to dream about creating um, a house in the metaverse of Zen that I can visit in virtual reality. And having lived in Japan, I was very much influenced by Zen and the concept of Zen. And then integrating my my Zen art, because what I do is I I use the screen as an, a Zen expression of art by stripping away all the noise and creating just the the very basic color and light and sound gradations in motion that relaxes the mind. And so I wanted to create a house that encompasses those digital experiences with a substrate of the ceiling and the floors as screens. I basically um, predict that our housing and you know, our architecture will integrate screens more and more as full substrates, full walls, full ceilings, full floors, and we will display art. And uh, the vision is to create art that is, um, that's healing that can actually support the relaxation of the body and the mind through biometrics. So the Mars House is an example of that.
0: I'd like to move on and speak about your very notable recognition as part of the World Economic Forum Thank you. as a cultural leader. What a massive achievement. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the first time in history that an artist has been recognized officially by you know an economic platform, let's say, uh, to be a voice to influence economic developments and, you know, and, and art playing a part in the evolution and the influence of that. Could you tell me more about your role as part of being a cultural leader for the WEF?
1: Sure. Well, I'm, there are many cultural leaders who are actually part of the World Economic Forum.
0: Okay. I stand corrected. <laughs> uh,
1: well, I mean, it's I believe that it is a new initiative and it's much needed because we need to have a more holistic View of how we can improve the state of the world, and that is the mission of the World Economic Forum.
0: But I th- would it be fair to say that it's the first time you've ever heard the word art and economics yes. being used in the same sentence, which is amazing in the same context, right? Yes, so who else is out of curiosity? Our cultural leaders from the art world, Rufi
1: Gennadal, yes. yes, yes, okay, of course, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, there are many artists uh, who, are, who are also incredible artists who are yeah. mission driven. And, uh, and have proven through their practice that they are not only concerned with the state of, uh, of humanity in the world and betterment of the world, but through their practice. And so I'm, I'm very honoured to be included in that uh, list of incredible luminaries. Uh, not only visual arts, but, you know, music and, and everything, you know? I mean, there's so many beautiful creatives. So, so what does your role entail specifically then? Well, I mean, I'm advocating for healing through digital technology, emerging technology. Um, how How can you use the technology for for humanity and for wellness? So I'm actually, uh, this is my first, uh, no, my second exhibition at a World Economic Forum event. Uh, at Davos in January, I was at Summer Davos Tianjin last July, so this January I will be at Davos presenting uh, Continuum, my sound and light healing installation.
0: Yes, I've read up about that.
1: Yes, and and that is presented as a Zen experience on large scale LED wall, and so it will be projected in the conference. And I will also have a a private session of a guided meditation for half an hour, where people come in and experience Continuum as a you know as a healing and uh, a well-being experience that I'm guiding. Beautiful. I'm basically, through my art, advocating these new principles and new ways of looking at technology as, as a tool for well-being. And um, going forward, it will also include AI and metaverse and, uh, you know, using those new emerging technologies as uh, new and creative ways to make humanity better, healthier, smarter. So would
0: you say your recognition from the WEF has allowed you to take your career in directions that you maybe couldn't have before?
1: I I think more of it in this lens that I can use the platform to advocate for the use of technology in a positive way. Yes, there are amazing opportunities for me to exhibit at, uh, at Davos and um, to gain exposure so that I can do more and more international exhibitions. But that has already been in the works before I joined the World Economic Forum. So I mean, it's, it is a definite platform where I can educate and it is about education and building awareness uh, with global leaders and, and decision-makers stakeholders.
0: Art Talks is curated by Hoffa, For more information, head over to thehouseoffinearts.com. I'd just like to broaden the, uh, the scope of the conversation and speak more about how you balance the advancement in technology and innovation in that section with how that affects or influences your integration of that within your art. What is it like keeping up with the advancement of tech and then trying to sync that with it having an influence on how you use that within your arts.
1: You know, I can say that every person is born with a God-given gift. And uh, my gift is my my relentless passion for the new and the next. And the blessing to be part of uh, global communities of innovative, creative people in technology, in engineering and uh, in, in, in many different fields. And so I believe it's because I'm just at the right place at the right time, having the right conversations. And I want to connect with leading technologists, for example, Tenbeo is a company that's based in Brussels. I was introduced to them through my dear friend, Teddy Pahagbia, who's a metaverse uh, expert. And uh, Atalis Kratuni is the CEO of Tenbeo. She has uh, basically uh, created with her co-founder a technology that reads the algorithm of individuals' heartbeats as a unique identifier. And uh, so what we're doing is we are collaborating uh, on a project with, uh, that's commissioned by Julius Baer to feature at Art Dubai, where we're reading people's EKG, heartbeat algorithms. So building data sets around that. Creating a data set, and how it's set up is an immersive experience. You have a giant LED wall, people come into the room, there are four readers, four people at a time can enter their heartbeat and then they could see the visualization of their heartbeats with other people co-creating a beautiful tapestry. So you're creating that symbolism of the tapestry of social fabric, of our interconnectedness, our humanity through technology where technology is not usually aligned with, with humanity or, or even with beauty, we are trying to change that narrative. And so that's the kind of thing that I'm doing. I don't know what it is. Just, I love what I do and it comes naturally. It's not difficult for me. It just happens organically.
0: So on that note, let's talk about the legacy of your work. What kind of legacy do you hope or even aim to leave? What kind of messages? or narratives, or impressions, do you want your work to leave on your audience?
1: It's a wonderful question. From learning uh, political science and reading the great works of Diderot, Voltaire, um, Marshall McLuhan, um, Plato, Aristotle, um, yeah. all these great philosophers, absolutely I learned that it is the ideas that change the world that have the greatest impact. And so I, I wrote a manifesto um, in 2014.
0: It's part of your studies, or as
1: part of the foundation of the philosophy of what I do. Oh, superb! Okay. I believe it's important to be very philosophical. Is this in
0: the public domain?
1: Yeah, it's on the website. It's, it is yes, okay. and I'm also writing a book. Inherent, Beautiful. Yes. Okay. So I right now I'm just focused on the foundational philosophy of my works, techism. And so techism is about a call to action for artists, where I saw many silos between art, science and technology to dispel the silos. Let us be holistic, let us collaborate, let us be fluid and intersect and find synergies because that is where we're going to have the next evolution of man. But with art and humanities, we can ensure that any evolution of man is rooted deeply in humanity. And that has a deeply rooted tradition from, it's an ancient tradition and we all share this. And so we mustn't ignore the past or the wisdom of humanity. We we must bring it forward. And so that's, techism is all about that sort of collaboration, spirit of collaboration between artists and technologists and engineers to create the new. For
0: any emerging or aspiring digital artists out there, Is there any advice or guidance you could provide based on your experiences and your challenges that you've experienced through your journey?
1: Well, when you're starting out as an artist, you're you're always paying attention to and practicing and learning from the artists that you are influenced by, who you align with and who you admire. I, I admire Rothko, I admire James Turrell, Robert Irwin, Olafur Eliasson, Mary Course, Jenny Holzer. I mean, there's a whole list of artists that I studied and I had to study other artists and understand the history of, and the origin of the art that I want to create. Because your origin will begin in that timeline after them. And so, you also have to know thyself, the ancient Greek axiom. Mm. And that takes a lot of silent introspection and understanding the self. It takes a lot of silent moments and loneliness. You have to be alone. You have to spend a lot of time alone and in quiet solitude and study and understanding yourself. And through that, I, I learned meditation, Transcendental Meditation in 2013 while I was enrolled in my master's program. And it's the powerful. practice of meditation, and everybody has their own Is method. that now part of your lifestyle? 100%, every Beautiful. day. Beautiful. Every day. But I believe that it is a silent practice of mindfulness or meditation that everybody has. Every great creator, whether it's Einstein, Newton, uh, Tesla, they all had this meditative practice. And um, you'll find that as a universal tool and an ancient tool that will help one find their true voice and then express that voice and uh, that's that's where the art comes from, the authentic voice.
0: Superb, beautifully put. Thank beautifully you. put. Massive you. inspiration for artists and even non-artists out there, <laughs> for sure.
1: Yes, anyone can do this and everyone should. So we're here at Art Miami
0: and you have a brand new exhibition of works yes. that has been exclusively exhibited here, is that fair to say? Yes. Tell us more about the exhibition, please.
1: So these artworks are very special because um, they have been created in 2018. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. And uh, they're early pieces and they're printed pieces. Many people associate my work strictly as, you know, um, digital and um, NFT-based, screen-based or immersive experiences. But I really started from a painterly tradition. And uh, so when I, when I created these artworks, I remember in Singapore when I was really trying to figure out how do I create Zen with digital art? What I did was I gathered images of, of uh, lights, lights in the landscape when I lived in Singapore because there's a lot of LED lights in the architecture. It's very futuristic. And with these lights, I would manipulate these. And just play. I was playing, trying to discover what can I do? What can I do? Because I'm not trained as a digital artist. So as I was Playing as I was experimenting, I discovered that through the manipulation of these images on software like Adobe, like Illustrator, like After Effects, I was able to create these incredible Zen gradients that I became absolutely obsessed with. And the reason why is because I was going through a very difficult period of my life. I was going through depression and anxiety at that time, actually, because I was going through divorce. And that's when also when I started to meditate. And so... All of these things came together. And when I saw these beautiful pieces on my screen, they were healing. They gave me relief from anxiety. They made me feel better. And I thought, wow, I think I found my own therapeutic... You created your own therapy. Correct. And I thought, if this is healing for me, it must be healing for others. 100%. So I just fervently just kept creating these algorithmic paintings, which then became combined into videos, you know, blending each into one another, which became continuum. So this is really the beginning of my discovery of Zen, digital Zen. And so it's, it's gradients. And the color and and the gambit of color that you get, you know, when you when you have this special printing method of UV directly on the dye, not the it's not dye it's, like, it's true life. True life is a very very high end plexi that's non reflective. It has a th- almost a a 3D like a, a very very deep color, and it looks like it's you could jump into it. It looks like a screen as well. It's vibrant. It's alive. So. It's amazing having the experience of creating these incredible experiences as printed objects. I love these pieces; they're very, very. It's very special. It's
0: very and there are most definitely going to be many people that benefit from your work. Thank you. As a part of their healing, and on that note, are there any up and coming, forthcoming projects in the pipeline that specifically explore that intersection between art and well-being?
1: Right. So. As I'd mentioned, I do have the exhibition coming at Davos yes. in January. And then at Art Dubai, yes, I have the immersive experience that will featured by Julius Baer. And uh, last year, it was Rafiq Anadol who was featured. So this year, it's a real honor to be the principal artist featured by Julius Baer. And, you know, the installation is, is a very ambitious one. And um, it's it's really going to demonstrate how AI can be used for good, can bring us together. And so I think that we need to reframe our relationship with with technology as a way to bring us together.
0: And you know what, just on that note, I think it's so important to put time and effort into proving that. Because the general global consensus right now, based on assumption, maybe slight presumption, is that AI is bad. Yeah, AI is you know it's the threat, it's the enemy, and I think artists have the opportunity, therefore the responsibility, to prove otherwise.
1: Well, that's a very good point. And on that point, AI is a threat. It is indeed um, a real threat because it you know it can basically hijack your identity, hijack your digital assets. So, the only line of defense that we have, and this is something I'm advocating for heavily next year, is data sovereignty and digital identity. We really have to advocate for data sovereignty and digital identity in the blockchain connecting to our biometrics. Ah, okay. Because with the heartbeat, we can verify with a heartbeat signature in the blockchain what is our IP. And we can also I- identify and verify our likeness in the media. So in the future, there'll be much more deep fake AI, you know, media out there. So what we need to do, we need to assume that everything is fake until proven otherwise otherwise on the blockchain with your heartbeat signature. Okay, so that becomes the authentication process. Blockchain is the savior of humanity. That is a huge thing and that's something I'm going to be advocating more and more through art projects that are coming up next year.
0: Krista, it's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.